All right, good morning. Welcome to Ridgepoint Church. It's so good to have you. If you're joining us online, welcome. It is great to have you as well. If you're first time here at uh, Ridgepoint Church, so this is your first time. Uh, I'm Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint. I just want to say welcome. It's good to have you guys with us today. And, and just a quick question from that little bumper intro there. Uh, I just want to ask the question. Just You don't have to speak it out loud, but which one of those homes did you relate the most to? So which one did you relate the most to? It's kind of funny if you think about it a little bit, but uh, also it's very serious in, in other ways as well. But uh, we all want our homes to be blessed, and we've been wanting to do a series about the family for quite some time now. And so we sat down and started thinking about the month of July. It's a, it's a time where families go on vacations. It's a time where families come together, do things as a family out in nature and things like that. And so we decided this would be a good time to do a family series, and we borrowed this theme and this idea, these main points, if you will, from Life Church. And Life Church is a great resource to pastors like me. But um, in this series, we're going to look at what Jesus said in his famous Sermon on the Mount. We talk about uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount quite a bit, but he did these eight characteristics that we call the Beatitudes. He preached about them, okay? And so we call those the Beatitudes, okay? Th those are um, uh, attitudes, characteristics for those who are blessed. We picked four of those characteristics, four of those Beatitudes, we're going to talk about them. We're going to apply them to our families. And so that's what we did last week. We talked about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, when he said, Blessed uh, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And today we're going to apply another one of those Beatitudes. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Uh, the problem is, and this is kind of the foundation of this particular series, the problem is we all want our homes to be blessed. Uh, regardless of whether or not you have kids uh, right now, we all want our homes to be blessed. The problem is they don't feel very blessed. One of the things that one of the characteristics that I mentioned last week about homes around us that come to mind, one of those characteristics are struggling. We have lots of homes, lots of families who are struggling, and so we all want our homes to be blessed. But but our parents. Parents, we just can't help but argue with each other. That happens a lot in, in homes. Parents are always arguing with each other. Um, money problems, money situations, the list goes on and on. And lots of things are vying for our time and attention. If you have older kids or going into their teenage years, you realize, or even younger than that, uh, you realize that there's so many different things that want your kids' attention. And we want our kids and our homes to be blessed, but they just don't feel that way. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Now, I don't know about you guys, but at home, I'm pretty alert. So when I hear something outside, I'm up, and, and I'm listening, and I'm looking around, seeing if someone's snooping around our house. I haven't had to get my gun out of the closet anytime lately, but I have it. It's available to me. But, but when I hear something outside going on late at night, I'm up. I'm alert. I'm watching. I'm seeing what's going on. And I'm pretty sure most of you probably feel the same way. Uh, but you always know what's going on around you. You're listening for things to happen. As a parent, I'd wrestle a bear for my kids, wouldn't you? Like as a parent, I would wrestle a bear for my kids because that's just what we do as parents. We take care of our kids. There's no line that I would not cross for my kids. You hurt my kids I'm probably going to hurt you. I'm sorry. That's just the way it works. I'm the pastor, but I have feelings, and, and I feel the same way about my kids as you do. That's just the way it is. You don't, you don't mess with my kids. 
I take care of my kids. I want my kids to be safe. What's crazy to me is in, in interesting is in our culture today, we're applauded for taking care of our kids, aren't we? We are applauded for physically taking care of our kids. And we don't even look twice or think twice if we actually put helmets on our kids, uh, elbow pads and knee pads just to send them out to check the mail. People applaud us, don't they? Because like we need to take care of our kids, physically take care of our kids. We're applauded for those efforts. But in the same culture, in the same society, when you try to protect your kids' hearts and their purity, we're often called overprotective parents, aren't we? When you, it's okay if you protect them physically. Take care of your kids physically. We applaud you for that. But if you try to take care of your kids and protect their morals and protect their heart, we're often called overprotective parents. We're applauded for protecting them physically, but not if we protect them morally. We're going to find out today that God wants us not only to protect our kids physically, but to protect our kids' purity of their hearts as well. Just as someone snooping around our homes late at night wants to rob our families of our material possessions, I believe that we also have a spiritual enemy who wants to rob our families of their purity, who wants to still kill and destroy their innocence and their trust. Jesus gave us pretty specific information, a pretty specific information in the Beatitude in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, when he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Here's what I want you guys to know. Really quick. I'm going to be stepping on toes today. Mostly my own. Okay, parents? I'm in the same boat as you. I'm no different than you. We're all trying. For, mo for the most part, if you have toddlers in your home at this point, it's just we're just trying to survive, okay? We wake up every day and say, my, my child is still here. We're okay, right? That's what happens. As they get older, it may stay the same. I don't know. I haven't been there yet. But um, nonetheless, we're just doing what we can to survive day by day. But I want you guys to know, um, it, it's going to be tough today. It's going to be a tough message, and I hope that you hear that. Hope that you know that we're all in the same boat, okay? Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, this message from Jesus is much broader than what I'm going to talk about today. Like Jesus, when he said this, he was actually uh, talking about attitudes and motives and, and thoughts of all of us. Not just parents, not just kids, but all of us towards others. Blessed are the pure in heart. But for today's purposes, I'm going to narrow the scope uh, of what I want to talk about. We're going to talk about the moral purity and apply it to our homes today. Moral purity and apply it to our homes today. So again, I don't know if the scripture's gone, but blessed are the pure in heart. It's very common for us today. It's very common for us today in this society to say, oh, he has such a good heart, doesn't he? He's got such a good heart. She's got such a good heart. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, when you were growing up and you were dating, or maybe you're dating right now, and you found someone that you really liked, and maybe they're not really a Jesus follower or a Christian, but you told your parents, but they don't go to church, but he's got such a good heart. He's such a good guy. Or she's got such a good heart, right? That's what happens. We do it all the time. We try to justify and say they have such a good heart. Although that's a common saying in today's society, it's simply not true. It's simply not true. Hear me when I say this. We need to understand today that without Christ, there's no such thing as a pure heart. Without Christ, there's no such thing as a pure heart. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says... 
The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Jeremiah's like, nothing can cure this heart. It's beyond, it's beyond all things that we know and we can understand. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. The heart lies to us, guys. Our hearts lie to us. It's deceitful. It leads us astray. I hear people all the time say, just follow your heart. Just follow your, whatever makes you happy, follow your heart. And I want to stand on the rooftops of the church and say, don't follow your heart. Whatever you do, don't follow your heart. It's deceitful. It will lead you down the wrong path. As a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle Paul says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to a hardening of their hearts. This is huge, guys, okay? This is one of our foundational verses for today's message. But, but Paul's saying they're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life that God wants for them due to the ignorance because of the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Darkened in their understanding. That just really spoke to me. Darkened in their understanding because of a hardening of hearts. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but back in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that, that, that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. As, as Pharaoh had, had enslaved God's people in Egypt, God had hardened his heart. And that verse has always struck me. It's just always struck me like, what happens when your heart is hardened? Like, how are you supposed to hear God? How are you supposed to see God? How are you supposed to, to listen to the Spirit if your heart is hardened? The Bible says they're separated from the life that God wants for them because of the ignorance, because of their hardening of hearts. They don't even realize it. Like, sometimes they don't even realize it because their hearts have grown hard to the things that matter the most. Hardening of hearts. They're darkened in their understanding. Have you ever walked into a movie theater after the movie had already started and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I can't see a thing. I'm looking around trying to figure, I'm feeling around trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go and where, where my people are because we stayed out, as dads, we stay out there and get the popcorn and the pop and the moms and the kids all go in and have a seat right and we have to, anyway, I don't know, that must not happen to you guys. It happens to me. Uh, anyway, so you walk into the movie theater, it's completely dark inside. You're like, what is going on? I can't see a thing. And then all of a sudden, after you're in there, for a couple moments, your eyes begin to adjust. Could it be, now hypothetically, hypothetically, could it be that the majority of our homes, families that we love so dearly, are separated from the life of God because we've, we're darkened in our understanding? Could it be, I'm, hypothetically today, I'm on the same boat as you guys, hypothetically, could it be that we are darkened in our understanding, separated from the life that God wants for us? Because of our ignorance, our hearts have been hardened, and we don't even recognize that we're missing out on the goodness of God because we've allowed so much impurity into our homes. Hear me out. Just hear me out, okay? We've allowed so much impurity into our homes, into our families, that our hearts have become hardened, darkened from the understanding of God 
away from the life that God wants for all of us? Could it be? Just, just go with me for a moment and, and ask the question, is it possible? Verse 19, he says, having lost all sensitivity, having lost all sensitivity, Paul says, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of of impurity. Guys, there's not very many other scriptures in the Bible that accurately describes our culture today. <laughs> Lost all sensitivity. We call sin, we praise sin in, in the United States. We do. We praise it. We say, literally, we have months dedicated to sin. We have things dedicated to sin where we just worship and praise and thank God for these things that are not of God. Lost all sensitivity, Paul would say. Lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to the sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity. Now, I don't care where you are in the struggle. We're all struggling with something. None of us are perfect. We all have issues in our families, in our lives, as individuals, as couples, and as families. We're all struggling with something. Nobody has reached a plateau and said, hey, here I am. Everybody look at me. Follow me because I'm perfect. None of us. None of us can do that. As a matter of fact, one of our values at Ridge Point Church is we live real. That means that we're honest about we, who, who we are so that God can transform us. We know we need to be transformed because we're struggling with something. We're struggling with something. We need to be transformed. That's who we are. So at the end of the day, I don't care where you're at, even if you're into drug addiction and you're choosing drugs and things over your family all the time, even if you're into that, at the end of the day, there's not a question. Each one of us, no matter our struggle, would say we love our families and we want our families blessed. I don't care what your struggle is. At the end of the day, deep down, we want to guard our marriages. We want to protect our kids. We want to take care of them. That's, that's a solid, that's the foundational truth here today. We all know that. So we would never do something as foolish as to give our babies, I, uh, Chris and his baby started crying there. Well, God, I didn't mean to call you out. I'm just making a point here. She would never give her baby, when her baby's crying, a bottle of poison. She'd never do that. No one would do that to their child, right? We would never tell our toddlers to go swim in a swimming pool full of acid, would we? We would never do that. Like, that's just beyond belief for us. Like, we would just never do that. And yet, we'll send our teenage daughters on some car date with a teenage boy with raging hormones and say, I don't even know this kid, but I know they'll be fine because I trust my daughter. We do that all the time, don't we? We, we also give our 14-year-old boys unlimited access to mobile devices where they can watch and view anything that they want to view any time of the day, wherever they are, raging hormones and all, here you go, unlimited access. Take it. We do it all the time, and we call it normal. As a matter of fact, if you don't give your kid a phone and they're a teenager, you're overprotective. We look down upon those things in society today. We'll take our hard-earned money that God has blessed us with and be entertained by things that honestly must break the very heart of God and that's absolutely and completely normal in our world today. Isn't it? They've given themselves over to all impurity. 
Could it be, hypothetically, could it be today that one of the reasons our homes aren't blessed is because our hearts have been hardened to the things of God? We've been darkened in our understanding without even knowing it. We've lost all sensitivity and now we're indulging every kind of evil. Is it possible? We've allowed so much impurity into our homes, into our families, into our kids. Taylor and I, we give our son, he has an iPad. As a matter of fact, this is terrible to even admit in this sermon. But we just bought our daughter an iPad for her second birthday. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Anyway, um, at some point, at some point, Lincoln started saying things that we were like, that's not, that's weird. Where'd you hear that from? Where'd you hear that from? Like, that's odd. So we had to take big YouTube away from Lincoln because big YouTube wasn't pouring good things into my child. So he calls it big YouTube. We had to get rid of big YouTube. He gets little YouTube now. Probably not as bad, but we'll see. What are you allowing into your families? What are we, not you, what are we allowing into our families? Because what we're allowing into our families matters. It just matters. If you missed last week, the key thought for this entire series, and this is, this is what I want, guys, and I hope you want the same thing for your family. We don't want to just be a Christian family. At the end of the day, I don't want to be just a Christian family. We want to be a Christ-centered family. Not just a Christian family, but a Christ-centered family. And you may be saying, Pastor, what's the difference? It's semantics. You're making too much big a deal over this. But the truth is, in our nation today, 70 to 80% of families profess to be Christian families. 70 to 80% of families profess to be Christian families. But if you look at our nation, you're not going to say to 70 to 80% are Christ-centered by the way that they live their lives. You're not going to say that. There's a big difference in saying, yes, I believe in Christ. Yes, we go to church every Sunday. And to say, Jesus is first in everything that I do. We don't do a thing unless we pray about it. He's not just a part of my life. He is my life. There's a big difference between those two types of families. If we want the blessings of God, then we need to learn to live according to His Word. Simple as that. And that's what the psalmist asks in Psalms chapter 119. He asks this question, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Listen, if you're not asking that question as a parent, listen, you need to start. You need to start asking that question. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? And then he answers himself by living according to your word, God. I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. If you have kids, you need to be asking this question. If you are a kid, if you are a student, if you are a teenager, you need to be asking this question. How in the world, in today's society, how in this world can we stay on the path to purity? Listen, some of you are rolling your eyes right now when I even use the term purity because you're thinking, that's impossible, pastor. It's impossible. It's not impossible. It is absolutely possible. The question is, are you going to pursue it or not? You're just going to give up in the beginning and say, I'm not going to do it because no one else around me is doing it. 
Mm. Culture tells us all the time, just follow your heart. Follow your heart. Whatever makes you happy, just do it. That's the stupidest advice that anyone's ever given. It just is. I've seen a lot of people uh, through marriage counseling. I've seen a lot of people, married couples, follow their hearts right into adultery and out of marriage. I'm just following my heart. She winked at me at work this week. I really like her. She smells real good. I really like her. Like it happens all the time. Follow your heart. Whatever makes you happy. He's going to, well, I'm not going to go. Anyway, how can a young person keep their way pure? How can a young person keep their way pure? He answers his question by living according to what? His word. God's word. By living according to your word. Just for fun. Like I did last week, retranslated this into a family translation so that when we read this scripture, it looks like it's coming from our family, okay? Don't call me a heretic. We can do this. It's okay. Reality is, it says this, how can our family, if I'm a parent, I'm asking this question all the time, how can our family stay on the path to purity? How can our family stay on the path to purity? By living according to your word, God. We as a family, not just me as an individual, but we as a family will seek you with all our hearts. Do not let us stray from your commands, God. Guys, this should be our mantra. This should be our mantra. Now, listen, today you've tuned me out. If you're not married yet, you've tuned me out. You're probably saying, get them, pastor, get them. Get those families. They need to learn. While you're thinking to yourself, I don't have to worry about that because I don't have kids. I'm not worried about that stuff right now. None of this matters to me. For now, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. I can sleep with whoever I want. I can smoke whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can party whenever I want. I can do anything I want to do because right now, those things don't apply to me. You're probably thinking, let the families deal with all of that. Guys, I, what you're probably saying, I'll get to it later on. Right now, I'm going to do my own thing. But later on, I'll get to doing those things you're talking about, Pastor. Because right now, it really doesn't matter. Let me tell you something right now. Listen very closely. I don't care who you are or what your life is like or who, what your situation is right now. What you do now matters. What you do today matters. You don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. You don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. If you want to harvest righteousness in your family later on, if you aspire to have a family, if you want to harvest righteousness in your family later on, you plant seeds of righteousness in the ground today. What you do today matters. Whether you have a family or not, what you do matters. Real quick, I want to give you three quick ways that, that you can start to create purity in your homes. That you can begin to create purity in your hearts. And the foundation of this is, the first thing that you need to understand is that it isn't going to happen by accident. You don't just wake up one day, 20 years later, and be like, wow, my kids are so holy. Look at them. They're just so holy. They're so amazing. I don't even know how that happened. It was an accident. That's not what you do. Because what you do right now, the decision that you're making with your kids right now, regardless if they're one, if they're two, if they're seven, if they're 10, if they're 18, you have to be intentional with your kids. You have to be intentional with your families. The first thing is this. Parents, this is for us. 
And single people, it's for you as well. The first thing is this. You must get your own heart right. You want to create purity in your lives, in your families, in your homes? Get your own heart right. It starts there. It doesn't matter if your kids are 60 or, or 6. It's never too late for you to lead toward purity in your home. Solomon said, and Solomon, one of the most wise men in all of history. Like literally, you could, he could have given us so much different advice about how to make money, about how to build wealth, about how to have good relationships, about this, about that. All the things that Solomon knew, the wisdom that he, he had in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he says, above all things, above everything, all the wisdom that I have that I could impart to you today, above all things, guard your heart. Not build your wealth, not make sure your kids are doing what you want them to do or behaving and they're good kids. None of that. The, Bible says that Solomon said, guard your heart above all things for everything you do flows from it. Guard your hearts. It starts with you, parents. You set the tone for your kids and your families and your homes, and you must be intentional. When you answer questions like, what do I want to allow into my families? What do I want to allow into our family? What do I want to be influenced by? What do I want to watch as a family? What kind of entertainment do we want to have as a family? What kind of friends, this is a big one, what kind of friends am I going to allow around my family to influence my family? What kind of things are we going to feed our minds in our families? It's real easy to give my kids this iPhone or their iPad and say, hey, go do your own thing. Let YouTube raise you. It's real easy. We have to be intentional. I'm not, I'm not throwing down on you for that. If your kid's in here right now watching their iPad, it's okay, I promise. It happens to me all the time. But it starts with us. We have to be intentional. If what you're talking, or I'm sorry, if what you're taking in is actually building you up, is it building you up? Does it honor Christ, the things that you're taking in? Guys, we're still working on this in our family. We're still working on this in our family. Taylor and I love to watch movies. We love sitting at home, pulling up our Apple TV and watching movies and different series on TV and things like that. But Lincoln, Lincoln's four. He's going to be five in January. He's super impressionable at this time. Okay, Just this past week on Wednesday, I think it was Thursday, we watched it uh, from TiVo. But we, we like to watch reality TV t sometimes. And so we were watching Big Brother. And um, it came on, and, and they were introducing all the contestants. And, and one of the ladies uh, that they were introducing, she said, um, my name is so-and-so, and this is my girlfriend. And she was introducing her significant other, her girlfriend. And my son, he was just standing around. We didn't even think he was listening. But all of a sudden, he perked up, and he said, wait, what? what? She has a girlfriend? Is that kid? The wheels just started turning. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to think. And he finally asked, Dad, can she have a girlfriend? And I turned to Taylor. I was like, press pause, honey. We got to deal with this. And so I, it just, things like that happen. Things like that happen in our home. Sometimes we'll mute our TV because we hear certain curse words or things like things that are unholy, things are not good. We hear that going on and we'll mute the TV. And at some point, some point, I started thinking, wow. If my son can't watch this, if I don't want my son to be influenced by this, why am I watching this? 
Is it really that important? Is it really that important? So, throwing it out there, you know, I get it. Everybody likes to watch their own TV shows. Everybody likes to watch their own movies and all that. But I'm telling you, there's something about this purity thing. What goes in comes out. It's the way it is. What goes in, what you feed yourself always comes out. What are you putting into your minds? What are you putting into your heart? What are you putting into your body? Second thing is this. This one's, a, this one's one that's just really gripped me this week. Because it's something that's so easy for us to get wrong. The second thing is parent to the heart. Parent to the heart. What we want to do and what we like to do and what we're good at is parenting to the behavior. Son, if you don't sit down, I'm going to spank you or I'm going to put you in timeout. It's going to happen. What we like to do is parent to the behavior. All we want to do is correct the behavior. I just want you to be a good kid. I want you to sit down and listen. I want you to not hit anybody. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Yet all through Scripture, all through Scripture, God's saying, hey, I really just want your heart. I really just want your heart. You know what happens when we parent to behavior all the time? We create little legalists. We create little legalists because what, right, what happens is as long as you're doing the right thing on the outside and you look good doing it, you're in good shape. I'm not worried about your heart. I just want you and other people to, to think that you are doing good and that you're a good person. As a matter of fact, um, David in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, David says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He's worried about our hearts. He cares about our hearts. Jesus was a fanatic about this point. He was a fanatic about this point. In the Old Testament, Scripture taught us don't murder, right? That's on the outside. Buddy, you can hate somebody all you want to, but don't murder them. And then Jesus came along and he said, don't even hate. Don't even hate someone. If you've hated someone, you've already committed murder in your heart. Why? Because Jesus cares about what's in your heart. Blessed are those that are pure of heart, for they will see God. The Old Testament taught us don't commit adultery. Jesus came along and he said, don't even look lustfully at someone. Because when you look lustfully at that guy or that girl, you're committing adultery in your heart. Don't even do that. Because I care about your heart. I care about what's in your heart. Jesus taught us to care about what's in our heart. One of the biggest mistakes that we can make in parenting today is only caring about our kids' actions. One of the biggest mistakes. When my son hits his sister, which happens a lot these days, I said he was four. When he hits his sister because she's playing with his toys or just because he wants to sometimes, when he hits her, we always put him in timeout. Sometimes I spank him, and I'm okay with that. I don't care if you are. I spank my child. Sometimes I spank him on the tail. I mean, it's really not that big of a deal. I don't beat him with a... Well, anyway, I was beat with switches when I was growing up or anything that my mom or my grandma could get a hold of, but I don't do that to my son or my daughter. Anyway, uh, so... I put him in timeout. We put him in timeout or we spank him and we tell him, you are not getting up out of that seat until you apologize to your sister. So what does he do? Immediately jumps up, goes over to his sister. I'm so sorry that you did whatever to make me hit you. You see that all the time? Those of you that have multiple kids, you get it. You know what that looks like. And then we let him up and he goes on his merry way. And, you know, it's until it happens again. 
because we're worried about his behavior. But here's the thing. I don't just want my son to apologize because he knows that's what's going to get him out of trouble. What happens? I'm not worried about his heart if I do it that way. I want him to feel bad for what he did. Not to feel bad for the sake of feeling bad, but to understand that when he hits his sister in the face with his hand or with another toy, it hurts her. And when it hurts her, he should feel bad because he doesn't want her to hurt, right? I don't want to affect my sister in a way that's going to make her heart hurt or make her face hurt. Therefore, I don't want to hit her again because I don't want to hurt her. You see how that works? It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting because it's harder to sit him down and have a conversation with him to say, hey, this is why you shouldn't hit your sister. It's hard to do that. And it takes more time. It's more time consuming. And it gets frustrating because sometimes you don't think he's listening. But if I don't tell him the why, he's never going to stop doing it. If I don't make him understand why he shouldn't do the things that I don't want him to do, he's never going to understand it. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I heard a lot of times, because I said so. Because I said so. Don't do that. Because I said so. Don't touch the stove. Why? Because I said so. It doesn't work today. Guys, parents, I'm telling you, it does not work today. Yeah, they're probably not going to do it because they don't want you to whip them or they don't want you to put them in timeout or they don't want you to ground them or take away their switch or take away their, their iPhone or whatever. They're probably not going to do it for that reason. But you got to let them know the why. The why is always important. The problem is it's too much time and effort for us as parents. We just get lazy sometimes. We just don't want to do it. I'm tired. I've had a hard day at work. I've, all this stuff's going on. I don't want to sit down and have a 10-minute conversation with my child about why they shouldn't do a certain thing. Listen, have the conversation. You'll thank me later. Worry about your child's heart. Parent to the heart, not just the behavior. Don't settle for outward submission when there's still inward rebellion. Parent to the heart, not the actions. And then the third thing, as the worship folks come forward, the third thing is this, and this may seem harsh. There's a lot of things that have seemed harsh today. Third thing is this, we must pursue perfect purity of the heart. Perfect purity. Perfect purity. You may be saying, Pastor, that's a pretty high standard, isn't it? You're, you're absolutely right. It's a high standard. We should pursue perfect purity because anything else well, it's not purity at all. It's impurity. Perfect purity. Paul says in Ephesians 5.3, he says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint of sexual immorality, of any kind of impurity, of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Not even a hint of improper, impure things. Not even a hint. That's a pretty high standard. I get it. I understand. The question is, how much impurity do you want to let into your home? Just a little bit? It's just one song. It's just one song with terrible lyrics. My kids don't even know what it means. It's just one movie. It's just one movie. They're probably not even going to remember it. How much is too much? And how much is just a little? Let me tell you this story as we end today. 
story about this 12-year-old boy that wanted to see this movie so bad. There was a movie that was coming out, and it was, it was a bad movie. It was on TV, and this little kid, he went to his mom, and he said, Mom, it's a PG-13 movie. It only has a little bit of bad stuff in it, just a little bit of bad stuff. And his mom said, okay, I'll let you watch the movie, but first, I want to make you some brownies. And the little boy was like, wait a minute, you're going to let me watch this movie and you're going to make me brownies? Like, is it my birthday? This is a good day, right? I want to make you brownies first. The kid was like, okay, he was pumped. He was really excited. And so what happened was the mom went out into the yard. She took a little paper towel and she dipped down into the grass and she got a little bit of a tiny bit, just a tiny bit of dog poop in that napkin. She brought it in and she dropped it into the, the brownie batter. She mixed it all up, right? Man, those brownies come out of that oven. They smelled so good. They looked so good. They were nice and fluffy. It was just so good. It, that little boy was so excited. Her, his mom took the brownies into the living room, sat them down in front of him, said, Son, here are the brownies. Before you watch your movie, you should eat your brownies. She said, Oh, by the way, he picked up that brownie. He's getting ready to put it in his mouth. And she said, Oh, by the way, I mixed in just a little bit of dog poop in there. Just a little tiny, tiny bit. He threw that brownie across the room and he said, why would you do that? Why would you do it? Why would you put dog poop in these brownies? She said, but it's just a little, little tiny bit. It was just a little bit of dog poop. Just like there's just a little bit of bad stuff in that movie. It's that little bit of bad stuff makes it impure. Makes it unholy. A little bit of dog poop messes up the whole batch, doesn't it? Mm. We're going to pursue perfect purity in our Christ-centered homes. Perfect purity. Listen, folks, my theory, this is my theory, okay? My theory is that we've allowed so much stuff into our homes. That we have allowed so much bad language. We've allowed so much impurity. We've allowed so much negative YouTube videos into our kids' lives. We've allowed so much negative music into our kids' lives. We've allowed so much negative movies and connotations and all this into our lives. The list goes on and on. We've allowed so much of that stuff into our lives, into our homes that we are now living in darkness, away from, separated from the life that God has for us due to our hardened hearts. And the crazy thing is we don't even know it. Like our hearts have become so hardened to things that are unholy. Bring it on. No big deal. Let's celebrate sin. Our hearts have become hardened. Is it possible? You answer it for your own life. Is it possible that the things that you've allowed into your kids' lives and into your homes have hardened your hearts toward the things that are unholy and unrighteous in this world? Is it possible? We need to get our hearts right. We need to parent to the heart of our kids. And we need to pursue perfect purity in our hearts. Because blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. Do you want to see God? That's the payoff. Blessed are the pure in heart. When we strive for pure hearts, we walk out of the darkness. It's like walking out of that movie theater theater and walking outside in the middle of the day you go from darkness to light all of a sudden you can see God in all 
the things around you. You see God in the trees. You see God in the air. You see God in the buildings. You see God in the faces. You see God in the children. You see God in the people. You see God in all the things that he's created around you when you move from darkness to light. And you may be saying, Pastor, we've we messed up. We've already messed up. We've already done it. Well, so have I. You're not alone. We've already let all these impure things in our, in our lives, in our kids' lives, we've already let them in. Listen, it's never too late for you to cut that off and go in the other direction. It's never too late. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. <laughs> you have a hard heart, so have I. Good thing is, God said he could give us a new heart. Let's don't start, let's don't continue to live in impurity. Let's don't continue to just allow our kids to digest, to take in and digest all the filth that this world has to offer. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this opportunity you bless us with. Thank you for challenging us, God. As parents and as, as singles, thank you for challenging us to care about what's in our hearts. Thank you for challenging us to care about what we bring into our minds and our homes and our lives. So many of us, God, so many of us are struggling with this right now. <laughs> and you're calling us to perfect purity. God, we can't do it on our own. We just ask you to take this hardened heart out. God, I pray for holy conviction in the name of Jesus Christ. When we are sitting around our homes and we're watching things that are unholy, we're listening to things that are unholy, we're dressing our kids in ways that are unholy, we're doing these things that are unrighteous, I pray for holy conviction in the name of Jesus Christ. Because we're not going to be able to do it on our own, God. I pray for holy conviction in the name of Jesus Christ. That one day we say, you know what, just because all your, your friends are doing it, it doesn't make it right. Just because the entire nation is doing it, it doesn't make it right. I will stand on the truth of God until I have, no longer have breath in my lungs. Help us, God. Help us fight against the fiery darts of this world and the enemy. And strive for perfect purity. Because, God, we want to see you. And... We want our families and our homes to be blessed. We love you so much in Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? The altar's open if you'd like to pray today.